Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Plains on the Prairie podcast. I'm Max. And I'm Sam. And today we are continuing our North Dakota Aces series. Um, and today's episode is on Donald Arthur, is it Bacchus? Bacchus, yeah. Bacchus, gotcha. Um, a Jamestown, North Dakota native who uh, scored five kills in the air, and then I believe two damaged, and then four on the ground during the Second World War. Yeah, so this is our ninth episode. This was one of our bonus ones we found. Um, so we have two left, uh, two World War II uh, aces left, and then that... Uh, another one. Another one, <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, so Donald Bacchus, um, kind of an extensive Air Force career is what it's we saw. Huge. So yeah. couldn't find much on his specific uh, victories except for a couple, but... Um, we do have, uh, he was part of a couple of really illustrious groups and, um, had some, had some really cool background on yeah, this. Absolutely. Um, so I, I guess before we start, I was kind of curious when you were going through, I, I guess when I searched up his name, it said of Los Angeles, California. Mm-hmm. So I assume that is probably where he settled. And I think that's where he ended up being buried. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, it's usually all that stuff is more documented than where they're from. yeah interesting well yeah yeah, we'll get started here um so donald was born may 29th 1916 in jamestown north dakota um so for people that aren't familiar with uh the geography of north dakota that's about what an hour west a little hour a little over an hour west yeah Mm -hmm. so uh i mean it's a big town by today's standards but i can assume you know back in the day it was you know just farm town and stuff like that exactly Yeah. yeah Um, so he enlisted in the aviation cadet program in the U.S. Army Air Corps in August of 1940. So another one of our uh, pre-war uh, pre-war entries, and then was commissioned as a second lieutenant in March of 1941. Uh, prior to um, the Second World War, or I guess before he was sent overseas, he was an instructor pilot and a gunnery instructor at uh, several bases down in Texas from March 1941 until April of 1943. And I think I found he was at Foster Army Air Force. I guess it would, I don't know if it would have been a base. Yeah, probably would have been yeah. a base. And then um, Randolph. Randolph. Yep, yep exactly. Um, so following his stint as an instructor and um, being in Texas, he was briefly assigned to the 322nd Fighter Squadron for training in May of, in June of 1943. And I found that they flew um, P 47Bs. Mm-hmm. I, I think they were mostly charged with the. Um, Air defense of uh, New York. I think they were stationed up. Yeah, under the first Air Force, yep, I believe. Correct. Yep. yep. <clears throat> and then after that, he was um, in, no- in November of 1943, uh, was assigned to the 359th Fighter Squadron of the 356 Fighter Group um, in the European Theater of Operations. Uh, so I, I guess I couldn't really flesh out any, um, like, because he was awarded, was it a Silver Star? It was a Silver Star, yeah. yeah. Was that before he was became Deputy Commanding Officer of the three, what is it, 356? Um, it was uh, during his time as, or it was just, uh, so I don't remember the exact date, but he became CEO of the 356 in November 1944. Mm-hmm. And in no, November 26, 1944 was when he engaged uh, two BF-109s and shot them down. And that's... Uh, the um during the account of why he earned the star um it, it documents that he did shoot down two 109s wow. so that those are the only two documented kills mm-hmm. um that are on record that i could find i'm sure you couldn't find anything yeah further. I, I tried um excuse me yeah we need to pick up that 
Schiffler publishing Ace's book and see what Dig they in. had. Yeah. But so. yeah, I I mean, if we're talking about, you know, a mid-war to early late war Mustang pilot, I wouldn't doubt that his other kills were more than likely fighters. But, you know, we've had so many different. Yeah. <laughs> All those specific theaters. Yeah. Are just, it's a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> the grab bag yeah but uh yeah so i he was uh ceo of the 359th fighter squadron for a brief stint i saw and then became kind of just group staff yeah. at that point absolutely um so during his time with the 356 uh he like we said he was credited with three um five aerial victories against the luftwaffe um plus two damaged in the air mm-hmm. i think I, I would assume that that's where they would credit them as damaged yeah and then four on the ground um yeah, unfortunately, back is his mil- like it seems like his post-war career like was more highly documented than his uh, Second World War one. Yeah, which is interesting considering he was an ace. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of strange. I mean, during that time of the war, I mean, we have seen some really well-documented mm-hmm. things, but there were so many aces at the point yeah. we were just churning them out at that I, point I, I mean the list of aces from the u.s is just ridiculously mm-hmm. long especially when the germans are you know all their best pilots are either dead or yep. you know on both on both uh theaters they were mm-hmm. at at the 1944 point it was the attrition was really set again mm-hmm. absolutely uh so following the end of the second world war he remained in the army air force and then eventually the u.s air force and had Quite the career. Like mm-hmm. I, we, we're not going to go into it all because we'd here be here for probably another two hours. But the dude was in charge of countless fighter interceptor squadrons um, throughout the 1950s. Uh, I think he was um, like the commander of a training base mm-hmm. down in the south. Like just a, a crazy, really, yeah. yeah. And th- I, I love, and I think I've said in a couple of previous podcast episodes. But let's take a guy like Bacchus who, you know, got his five kills, stayed in the Air Force, were, you know, full bird colonel when he retired. And then let's take a look at a guy like Scrappy Bloomer, mm-hmm. you know, ace in a day, like the fighter pilot. Like when I think of a, the fighter pilot, I think of like a guy like Scrappy Bloomer. Yeah. Not, it's out yeah. immediately after the war. And it's like, you know, but, you know, you got to take those into account. Like, you know, Scrappy started a very, very, mm-hmm. Um, impressive business right and you know well, i mean there's countless vet- world war ii veterans that have, that have gone into the private sector and mm-hmm. done huge amounts of and work we will get into that in our minnesota section with um oh, for, like, uh, he flew with um uh eaglestern uh minot has a mustang mm-hmm. in his parking the uh politician guy yep yep of course we're blanking it's, on it now we'll come but. up with it after we're done recording so but yeah uh so bacchus uh, eventually retired from the u.s air force in july of 1965 and settled in california um couldn't find a whole lot about his uh post-war life but he actually he passed away in you know the grand scheme of things pretty young he mm-hmm. passed away in on april 28th 1986 at the age of 69 so just uh i think a month and a or yeah, it would have been a month and a day short of his 70th birthday. So yeah. unfortunate, but you know, that's, that's just life, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now we're gonna move into the 356 fighter group. So uh we d- we elected to choose the group aspect over 
um, the squadron just because he was the commander of the 356. Right. And, you know, there were three different squadrons that fell under him. So, yeah. Yeah. So the 356 was this uh, famous. I mean, those of you who are eighth air force enthusiasts or just European theater enthusiasts probably recognize the name Jersey jerk. Um, it's the uh, really beautiful Mustangs. I mean, yeah, the colors the, are awesome. Yeah. With the a blue checker over a red nose. It's just a really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a model of Jersey <laughs> jerk at home. So, and I'm, I don't claim to be the biggest uh, European theater guru and, but some yeah. of those Mustang markings are just, beautiful. well, you know, you see like, I'm looking at a thing of boomer right now and you know, it's got the red nose and then you got, staying in the background with the yellow like it's almost like the color almost looks purple mm. it's like you really didn't see like those colors no. in the 40s especially on military aircraft so i think that's that's a really neat unique change that i don't know if we saw purple on any other squadron really no not really that's that's really neat yeah so it was activated on uh, december 8th 1942 so it was one of those um Let's form it up after the war, yeah. you know, after the war started, uh, type squadrons. They were assigned to RAF Martle, Martle from Heath in 1943 with P-47s, pretty much like every P-51 squadron was equipped with 47s uh, to begin with. And would those those have been B models or D models? Um, probably a mix of both. Okay. Probably moved into early D model Razorbacks gotcha. at some point. But yeah, more than likely Bs at, at the 1943 point. Um, then they were equipped with Mustangs in November 1944, which is kind of a late acquisition. Like, yeah. So they went right to D models is what I was understanding. Um, the Bs were more early 1944, mm-hmm. late 43. So, um, But I did find that the 356 had the highest loss ratio of all 8th Air Force fighter groups. So despite the leadership, it was just the missions they were on. I was going to say, did they have the most kills for the 8th fighter group? Like out of any? They weren't the most... Uh, decorated on the kills front but the they just lost the most aircraft yeah by ratio so um not the best accolade there but <laughs> they were they were assigned to d-day landings uh market guard and a couple of the bigger uh, bombing raids over germany i believe so they were they had a lot thrown in yeah them. and they they were awarded the distinguished unit citation i think for op- operations during market market guard yeah. yep yeah, and you'll find both of these uh, groups did participate in Market Garden, gotcha. actually. And then, um, yeah, from there on out, uh, they were re- redesignated the 118th Fighter Group post-war. Uh, they're inactivated for a short time yeah. and then were allotted to the Tennessee Air National Guard. And uh, the unit's still kicking today. Yeah, I so. think uh, RPA unit, kind of like the North Dakota Yeah, Guard, pretty much. So pretty and they started with the F-51s, just like us. Yeah. I think they were equipped with some 47s as well. Yeah, so interesting tidbit there um other than hawaii which is a, a not a fluke but like an exception because the 47 the n models had i think longer range mm-hmm. than the um the mustangs please correct me if i'm wrong there but um all units uh, east of the mississippi all air national guard units were it, almost exclusively equipped with 47s mm-hmm. and then all units west of the mississippi had mustangs okay really interesting i, I yeah. remember i read that in a couple of books and that's kind of interesting because you'd think the east coast more densely populated quicker stops between bases yeah. you'd go the other way but you would think yeah yeah i mean mustangs have quite the range themselves too and i i don't know if it had to do with just where you know a lot of those post-wars like surplus aircraft were sent mm-hmm. um 
I guess, you know, Republic Fairchild, the makers of the 47 was in New York. Yeah. So it would have been easier to distribute aircraft there. And then North American, that was California. Yep. So, you know, where yeah, they're built, they sold them out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Because most of those aircraft would have been built in 44. Well, even if they were ordered in 44, There's... they probably would have been delivered in 45, yeah. 46. So. Yeah, so uh, that group's still kicking in a way. Um, and then the 359th fighter group was um, what he took command of later in the war, right? So it was activated in January 1943, so a little bit later. And um, not by much, just about a month later than the 356. And it was uh, equipped with 47s, of course, right away. Yeah. Um, and they primarily provided fighter escort on their first missions, just like many other Air, 8th Air Force groups. Uh, later shifted to strafing later in the war, yeah. actually, when they equipped Mustangs, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, they're re-equipped with Mustangs earlier than the 356 in April 1944, so they probably saw B-models and, and they probably had a mixed bag yeah. at some point in the war, or that year. Uh, they uh, Their notable operations were uh, Market Garden, uh, Operation Varsity, and the Battle of Bar Bulge as well, so they did provide um, air cover for the ground troops. Mm -hmm. When the when the weather opened up during the ball, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> took a little bit, but uh, yeah, they're one of those uh, squadrons inactivated at the end of the war, November tenth of forty five. So quite an early yeah deactivation there, and uh, they redesignated the one twenty third fighter group and allotted to the Kentucky uh, Air National Guard post war, and uh, they're still flying today under the name one hundred twenty third Operations Group with the guard there still and flying C one thirty H's. Cool. Very cool. So, yeah. yeah. So cool to see two units. Usually we've kind of had the theme lately of all these, you know, especially the naval groups just being yeah. gone, you know. Yeah, it's so. it's, it's something that I, I, I do appreciate about, you know, the Air Force lineage is, you know, if a squadron that was very distinguished during the Second World War was deactivated, mm -hmm. they allotted that history to an Air Guard unit to give that unit, I think, something to look back on with pride. I don't know if they focused it on like individual squadron members, like if they were from that area, because mm -hmm. look at the unit. I mean, as an example, North Dakota um, coming from the 367th fighter squadron, I believe, or, or group um, that might have the book over there. <laughs> um, but, you know, Scrappy Bloomer and, you know, a couple other Mustang pilots, I think were, or I guess um, 38 lightning pilots were from this area. Yeah. So makes you know, sense. it makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, so um, that concludes our fighter group section. Mm -hmm. um, I did track down a couple Mustangs that are around today still that uh, carry markings pretty similar or, you know, not to, exactly to yeah. what he had. Um, I didn't find any nose art that he had on his aircraft. I, yeah, I couldn't it, Yeah, usually, I mean, you would find a mixed bag of people with nose art or without. Mm -hmm. I mean, he probably, being a CEO, he probably just jumped in yeah. planes at that point. Um, so for the 356 fighter group, I did find one aircraft called Dam Yankee. It's uh 44-74425. Sounding like you right now. Yeah, I know. Um, right? <laughs> that one actually <laughs> is it's based in the Netherlands, and they actually had an incident last week where um apparently the gear had a failure and it nosed in, prop struck, everything like that. So everybody or both occupants made it out okay, no injuries or anything like that. So that's, that's number one. Good, yep. Yeah. But the aircraft also looks pretty salvageable. I mean, us with small pockets are, aren't yeah. able to cover that. But, you know, the guy apparently, he, I couldn't find much on him, but I read in the comments section on 
it was on Facebook. I found out that it got in an accident before we even started oh, researching really? this. And when I was like that, when I started researching the fighter groups, I was like, Oh, one of those, I just saw one of those. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, apparently he has like a T6 and other warbirds. He just kind of has his own owner of the Mustang. Yeah. Obviously. He kind of has his own little flying museum in a way. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, hopefully that can get restored here soon. Yeah. Um, and then the 359th fighter group, uh, that was, I forgot to mention during the group section, they had a kind of an olive deep green nose, kind of like how the fourth fighter group is where it swoops down there on the nose. Like the red? Yep, the, the red. Boomer. Yep. But that one was green. Okay. Yep. So uh, that one is called uh, Daddy's Girl. It's in the States here. Uh, it's 44-63807. Gotcha. Um, so that one um, was restored in 04. Uh, it's been bouncing around various owners around the States. I don't remember where it is. Uh, MustangsMustangs.com is a very good resource for this. So that that uh, damn Yankee that that had the yeah. the incident over in the Netherlands, they already have that documented within like two days. It happened on the first, and I was researching this two days ago on it's fifth today when we're recording this. So on the third, wow, they already had it up there talking about it. You know, project they they like change the status. They have like flying oh. in restoration. They have different statuses of the air of the like, airframe. If it's yeah, so they've it, already change it. They've already thrown that up there. So it's a very very extensive. Uh, database for all the existing mustangs and all the background on those i i want to just give a quick shout out to you know guys that like work tirelessly on you know mustangs mustangs or i doubt he'll hear this but joe bauer oh, yeah. his serial website is unbelievable uh mike hanger that runs aerial visuals those guys i don't think they get i mean maybe i know aerial visuals and joe bauer don't don't have ads no so they just do that it's all pure hobby. passion yeah yep. and we would be very, this podcast wouldn't be possible without, you know, people the research like those, that we've yeah. done from those websites. Yeah. And I mean, it, some of these people who found that information spent hours and hours. I mean, we, I mean, it takes me about an hour or two to research this usually. Um, sometimes I dig deeper and get distracted yeah. and find some interesting <laughs> stuff, but you know, for us to be able to do that in a matter of a couple hours instead of days on end, these episodes are thankfully easier to make without you know with Absolutely. those people without that i don't think this series well, would be possible I, I can't imagine what research must have been like in you know just think before the internet like mm -hmm. you'd have to actually go to like the air force space or the air force museum in dayton or um the research agency at maxwell in alabama yeah. and hours of pulling out documents and you know getting clearances it just it'd be national treasure all over again, it, yeah, yeah. Just digging through the <laughs> library of congress no so there's a lot of fun um our next one um, should be a Navy one. We'll kind of be alternating here on out. I mean, yeah. We have two more regular episodes. So this has been a really fun series. I, I agree. I'm I thinking agree. we should probably expand to Minnesota next year or something. Give it a little break. Yeah, then, I, I then, wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, this Give is us fun. time to research them beforehand. Yeah, because there's quite the list. That one will be a long series compared yeah. to this one, probably double. We'll probably have to, and we can talk about it off air too. But yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, you know, thank you guys for tuning in. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, we appreciate you always listening. Uh, please share with your friends if they like aviation, if they're from North Dakota, if they like North Dakota history. Yeah. Um, just, you know, help us get the word out. Um, other than that, Sam, do you have anything else to add? Nope, that's all. Thank Perfect. you guys for listening. All right. Take it easy.